0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another informative episode of the Florida Business Forum podcast. Let's open the Florida Business Forum floodgates and let the information begin to flow. Here's your Florida Business Forum information guru and anchorman, Sam Yates. Ladies and gentlemen, he promised and he delivers, not just in our local uh, political actions and things that are going on in the county, Here in Martin County, but also when it comes to making promises to be back on our podcast. And I want to welcome Commissioner Doug Smith, District 1, Martin County Commissioner, back to our program.
1: Sam, it's great to be back. I I appreciate all the time that you give us. The exciting part is we are in unprecedented times with the amount of money that this governor um, is, is putting towards... He's got in his budget this year, Sam, $100 million for Indian River Lagoon. Yes. Uh, Again, unprecedented amount of dollars going to a water body that, that for those of us who live on it or live near it or came here because of it, has really suffered the last 10, 20, 30 years with just a lot of bad practices that we as Florida have gotten away with because nobody really understood we know better now. We fully understand the science of what's occurring, as you said with the redfish. That you know, there's there's medical waste showing up. We do testing in the water constantly. Part of our coral reef meltdown. It always used to just amaze me that there was a disconnect between Everglades restoration, even though it's in the language of SERP, that the coral reef is connected to Everglades restoration. It was never a focus of anybody. And, and I used to say it like you go out the inlet when we were doing those massive discharges <laughs> and this brown plume of water is going a mile and a half offshore. And if you'd ever gone out to the beach, South of the jetty yep. on high tides, you could watch the Brown come down the beach at like six miles an hour and take over everything in its way. Absolutely. And you had to think at some point in time that can't be good for the coral. No, like it, 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 it's not supposed to be that way. And so, when I got, uh, when the board allowed me to be on the coral reef task force um, here in South Florida, that was kind of my question to them. It's like, well, what are we doing about this? Yeah. And so, a former employee, Kathy Fitzpatrick, who was mm-hmm. a, a dynamite, you know, coastal engineer that we had, I, you know, I, I, I said, what would make it? How, how do we? How can we convince the legislature and the federal government that there's a problem? And, and sort of this, this idea came up that, you know, what we really need to do before I can go to the legislature and ask them for any money is we need to be able to prove to them that what we think is happening out there is happening. So the first year we went up to the legislature, this is probably six, seven years ago. Kathy and I went up and, and we went to meet with Joe Negron. And and and, and the morning of the meeting, I, I said, Kathy, look, we're only going to get a few minutes with the senator. What are we going to ask for? And she said, well, we need to we, we need 130 or 40 water quality monitoring devices in our inlets from us down to the Keys. And we need them out on the reef to be able to start gathering data of what's in that water, right? So I said, well, how much do we need? She said, well, we, we probably need to ask for a half a million. And I said, well, then we need to ask for a million because by the time the legislature is done with us, we'll be down to 100,000, you know? So we literally walked over to, to, um, to his office and we sat down with him and he said, what do you need? And we, we need a million bucks to buy these monitoring devices to go offshore and, and monitor. That was two weeks before the end of session. We, we missed it by a nanosecond. We, we just didn't get there. The following year, Kathy and I went back. Not only did we get the million dollars out of the legislature to buy that equipment, we got a half a million dollars out of the EPA to match that fund. And since then, we've had water quality out monitoring devices out on the reef and in every one of our inlets south of us so that we can document exactly how much medical waste is in the water, how much phosphorus is in nitrogen. And it has helped. Again, it's not the answer to everything, but there are component parts of that that have made our, our, our claim accurate and viable with both legislature and, and Congress and, you know, it's making a difference. And and that was part of what was the kickoff for getting the reauthorization of the Coral Reef Act passed because there was a major meltdown that coupled with what was probably happening with the inlets discharging, mm-hmm. there was also this disease coming on at the same time and complicating all of that was all the phosphorus and nitrogen and medical waste that we're putting out there that was feeding that disease. And so um, it's been an interesting journey um but man oh man if you if you can get others on your on your on your same side of, of the story and and we had some great people I, I teamed up with the mayor of Broward County he was a huge advocate for coral uh, restoration we got Miami Dade involved when the disease shifted and went south into the keys we got Monroe County involved um and and i just just it was having that common Story, having the same voice um, made all the difference in the world. You know, I know that we touched on a lot and we focused a lot on
0: water quality, but we're also seeing a lot of growth and development. Your assessment where are we? Are we growing? Are we doing it at a good pace? Uh, everywhere I go in the state, people talk about Martin County wanting to come here. Uh, and then from a developer standpoint, that there are hurdles to overcome to be here. Mm-hmm.
1: So historically, Sam, we as a county, uh, and of course the city of Stewart has their own rules, their own regulations in terms of what they do over uh, on their side. We, we've seen over the last 20 years under 2% growth. And, and that's and, and that's kind of a, a hard number really to think about. Like what does that really mean to to the average person that comes to Martin County and sees something being built? We traditionally – for a very long time have had a very slow growth um, uh, strategy policy. Uh, it's just the culture, the DNA of Martin County. We, we, you know, the, you mentioned the idea that you, wherever you go in the state and talk to people, people are fascinated about Martin County and, and love to come here. Part of the charm and part of the reason that's so is because those policies have, have protected Martin County in many ways. And have allowed us to, to, really be what we are. I, you know, we did see in the city over the last couple of years, uh, a, a significant change uh, relative to units being built. Um, and that has concerned people. And, and you know, we, we, we the county, don't have any say over that. Um, but, you know, the city has adjusted and, and they're dealing with that. Um, but it it's a challenge for us as, as a community because we have a county to the north of us that, really likes to grow um, and and a lot of those individuals work here in Martin county right and so we have the county to a south of us which is significantly in population larger than us and there's some there's some employment that comes from down south up into Martin county and so what has always been a challenge for us here is to how, how do you how do you keep a smaller mid-sized county small and mid sized when you're sandwiched in by big guys to the north and big guys to the south, um, and and so you know the challenge has been our road network and, and and a lot of people this year specifically have been you know very vocal about traffic uh, and and but a lot of things that we did over the past 20 years we're, we're really thinking about at least for Martin county residents how do we create a capacity and a scale of capacity that will help move people around I was just talking to a, a a resident yesterday about it. And we're talking about the things that we've, we've done to, to, to deal with that over the years. And again, once those things are done, people kind of forget that they happened, but imagine the traffic that we have today. If we hadn't done some of the things we did 15, 18 years ago and, and the Roosevelt bridge um, expansion, the veterans Memorial bridge, um, a new bridge out in Palm city to Stewart, the four laning of Monterey right outside Mm -hmm. of our building, the four laning of a one, a, Um, The Willoughby uh, uh, Boulevard expansion, some of the cross connections we made, a lot of infrastructure that had to get built just to give us the capacity of what we were dealing with in in Martin County. We still continue to grow as a county at at a very slow rate, even though it seems a lot. I I think something else that we have all observed, um, and certainly COVID changed, I I think – a lot of of the behavior of people that might come for the winter uh, and stay for the winter months. Um, I noticed anyway, at least being in and around Stewart most of the day, the influx of new people that that came post COVID or even during COVID decided to get out of the Northeast, decided to retire early and decided they were going to make this their permanent home versus their, their winter home. And so our traffic counts reflect that. Um, and, and so what we're seeing now are traffic counts that were our peak 10 years ago traffic counts in our summertime, which tells us that there are more permanent people staying here throughout the summer, um, you know, which is a double-edged sword. I mean, you know, for it, it those is. who have been here long yeah. enough and remember downtown Stewart 20 yep. years ago, yeah. our retail folks in downtown, our restaurants in downtown really struggled in the summertime because mm-hmm. they're just – weren't enough people here to keep their super staff, their well-trained staff employed long enough. Some of them would drift off in the summer and then they'd have to bring them back come August or October sometime and ramp up for the new season. And, and now you're seeing that steady sort of ability for those restaurants to be successful or retail folks to be successful. So, you know, I, I think we're still doing a pretty good job of managing it. It's, it's a balancing act. Um, our policies are still very mm-hmm. tight in, in terms of what you can do. Florida legislature this year has changed some policies that might really challenge um, our ability to manage live local um, some of that. But, yeah. Um, and so we'll work through it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as we do with everything that we, that, that we are challenged with. Um, but, you know, it is, it is a very conscious position of, of our County anyway that, that, We want to make sure that we keep this place, the special place that is as much as possible um, with the challenges that come with growth. Yeah.
0: Now, and live local is certainly going to the live local act uh, is going to be a big challenge, but you mentioned something that, uh, that also has been discussed recently as we're recording this at the state level. And that is um, enterprise Florida and incentives to come to Florida. Uh, We're seeing all over the state that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that we need to put incentives out there because people know about us now. COVID changed that. And that's leading into the question of do we really need or is it acting at uh, an adequate capacity uh, or an organization like business development that we – a lot of people don't see a lot of uh, return from the business development board. Is it something that needs to be reinvented?
1: So there's a global conversation, Mm -hmm. and I say global, global Florida – Conversation going on as we speak about the existence of Enterprise Florida. Um, I think as as COVID did change, uh, certainly on a national stage, Florida stayed open, which really sent a message nationally to both residents, but also to business. Um, and so we have seen an enormous uh, positive impact on the business side of this equation I would say this much about enterprise Florida. What you know? What is there still a role for an enterprise Florida? Is there still a role for a BDB? Is there a role for chambers of commerces and economic councils? I would say yes. I, I, I think, and I think the argument about that comes down to there is always an advocacy component mm-hmm. um, that you know the economy has been pretty robust over the last couple of years. And you know, if you if you go back 10, 12 years when we headed into the Great Recession, everybody from the state, from the federal government, from Martin County was scrambling to try to figure out what to do. And, and how do we how do we recruit? How can we how can we bring something here that will offset what's going on? Um and it was a struggle. I mean, it was really hard. And so I, I think we're in one of those periods of times where things are pretty healthy and, and sometimes we forget very quickly when that spigot turns off and all of a sudden things go really wrong, where is that infrastructure and in the backbone of all of that process to help move you back forward? I, I, you know as a, as, a, as a clear example, when we did go through COVID, um, visit Florida which mm-hmm. had taken a pretty negative hit yes. over the prior couple of years all of a sudden became a, a really important piece because how do we how do we in the midst of a international worldwide pandemic get people to come back to Florida and spend money as tourism and it wasn't easy uh, you know the governor did a great job keeping us open but there really was a concerted effort amongst the local tourism development councils like we have and um, Visit Florida. And we have done very well at partnering with them on bringing programs here. And, and and you think of the direct impact of what that means. And so out on Hutchinson Island, we have the Shores and Beach Hotel, which was a significant investment from um, um, the company that bought it and, and redid it. We've partnered with them and we've partnered with our other hotels to make sure that that investment was a good idea and that it has paid off and that the tax base, the employment, you have to remember when when that hotel shut down in 04 and 05 after Francis and Jean, that was 140 employees that got displaced right. out of a job heading into a recession or out of a recession into a recession. And, you know, those were 140 people that what do they do? And and it was ten years before that place was put back into operation again. They employ probably 150 people out there today. They're a part of our tax base. They're a part of our tourism destination. They're a great corporate partner, and and all of all of those pieces, BDB, chambers of commerce, economic council, they all have a piece of it, um, both from an advocacy as support. Um, what I would say these days about our BDB, you know, I think one of the challenges we have with a BDB is, you know, is it a recruitment agency? Is it a, how do we, how do we enhance what we have today here, which has kind of been something I've been working on for years. And I'll, and I'll give you a perfect for instance of that. Dahar just purchased in the last year, the Triumph Aerospace yes. um, Airframe mm-hmm. business out at the airport. Mm-hmm. That has been a challenge for us for decades. The corporate structure of that industry was very fluid. And there were times where you know we might be 800 employees there and we might go down to 600 overnight, depending upon contracts and so on. Out of nowhere, w- the oldest airframe manufacturer uh, company in the world purchases them, comes in with a family-based business that is really community value-driven, employment-driven, taking care of their employees. And we now have a really super company employing our folks and helping them. As a piece of that, the work that the BDB does, the work that the Economic Council does to make sure that we're meeting the needs of what they may want or need moving into the future, is a really important role. We didn't do anything to get to HAR. They came here on their own and, and had a need and saw a need and fulfilled it. Now, what we all need to be cognizant of, and this is something we started six, seven years ago out there, we have a project called the Reach Center out there, which is very much targeted at thinking about an aging out population of aerospace industry employees how do we prepare the next generation to be able to go from our REACH Center, which will be a training facility for the aerospace, marine industries, and so on component, to go next door over to Dahar and work for them and make really good money in a long-term employment strategy. And so with the BDB and and the Economic Council, we've been working on that now for four or five years. We're getting really close. Another interesting thing that I've talked to folks about and worked on We have this amazing program called SPAM out at South Fork High School. They have won international competitions on robotics, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a a couple of times. And I've always kind of thought, and they've talked about, you know, how do we, is there a way to take that program and and even make it more robust, more solid? And so the school board right now is talking about maybe moving them into the old Stuart News building um, that they're located in. Well, maybe even, a, uh, even a, a cooler idea is if we added on to the REACH Center, an, an annex building, if you will, put that program in next to the REACH program that then directly connects them to the expertise coming out of Dahar, if you're an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old in robotics or software or aerospace is of interest, what a feeding opportunity to take you from... A to B to C. And what we talk about all the time here is how do we we prepare for the next generation? Of course, there's the affordable housing discussion and the state's dealing with that. We touched on that on the other program a little bit. But in my mind, if if we can solidify the job opportunities at a really high pay scale here for the industries that we do well at, Sam. I mean, there are things... Whether on purpose or by by chance we do here, we're one of the leading marine industries building component parts, but also boat building counties in the country. Some of the finest, not some of, some of the very highest, finest quality work is done right here in Stewart, Florida. The same thing on the aerospace side of the equation. We have some amazing aerospace manufacturers here. They've been here for a long time. Why not enhance what they're doing by, if there's another division we can recruit in that enhances what Dahar is doing, or what we're seeing now with the transformation of the marine industries, um, it's spectacular what's happening. Yeah. There's also another company that's that's kind of out there looking at us. It's a very high-tech, completely automated storage facility, um, warehousing storage facility. Yeah. That... Has a need for very high-end uh, robotics and for software technology. Those are the exciting opportunities I, th- I think we have in front of us, and that's all at the same time without dramatically even coming close to changing the quality of life that Martin County loves and 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 cherishes. And that is that balance. Yes, can we can we enhance the marine industry's business? Can we Enhance the aerospace industry. We have FPL with their energy industry out in Indiantown. They're building another two solar farms out there that they're planning on doing. There's opportunities with them. Of course, you have Cleveland Clinic and and the medical world um, and and everything that surrounds the medical world. Those are things we do well. We are seeing on a much larger scale um, some very high end uh, golf course communities that have already come to Martin County. Two hundred
0: and forty acres, I think, is coming up uh, before a, one of your commission meetings near future.
1: Rolling sands, as in rolling sands. In, in, uh, in that, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we have we have a couple other right. very high end golf courses. Yep. That, as part of their need, but as part of our strategy with water quality, they have built in tens of millions of dollars worth of water quality components to their courses that we wouldn't have to spend otherwise. And I know that's sometimes a hard thing to connect all those dots together, but we're taking in some cases uh, and some of the projects that have occurred uh, fallow, you know, fallow and very old um, uh, completely extinct citrus groves Mm -hmm. and putting water quality projects that are mixed in with a golf course on Thousands of acres of land that otherwise wouldn't be productive and wouldn't be anything to do with our water quality. And so we're seeing, uh, I think we're seeing some incredible opportunity to enhance what we do with all things water um, through these projects. Um, they're very low impact on us as a community. Um, I, would, I would suggest that most folks don't even know that some of these places even exist um, and and quite honestly we we did a we did a replat two years ago or three years ago, I guess during covid for a golf course that I had never been to, I had never seen, and honestly didn't even know existed in Martin County. Commissioner once again
0: I want to thank you for being on our program and and uh, ladies and gentlemen I you know sometimes I have to paint a little bit of a visual picture and uh, uh, Commissioner Smith has a smile on his face right now we've covered a lot of material but I know there is so much more that we could go into and uh, you said yes when I made the first ask but would you come back again at some point in the future
1: sure love to I you know there's I agree there's so much that that we do um that that I work on, we work on, and, and it's so hard sometimes to really delve into all the different stories of, of what they are. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to. And, and there's, I, 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 think when you're done with, with your program with Ed Killer on biosolids, uh, I'd even love to just do a whole segment on, on what we're doing with biosolids, the approach we've taken, um, i did a i did a meeting the other day with the treasure coast council local governments where they invited me to come talk to them about a regional strategy mm-hmm. for biosolids and so there's a lot of big exciting things on our horizon um that at the end of the day um i think will make us still even uh, even better place for a quality quality of living and, and a wonderful place to raise our, our families and kids
0: here's a challenge back to you and to our audience um uh, What I am doing with this program is is really something that I love to do, and that's share news. If there is a way that we can get some of the participants together, whether it be a Zoom meeting, probably that would have to be what it is. My door is open for us to do that. I would absolutely love to have a Florida Business Forum conference of experts or interested parties so that we can get some of these things under discussion and then share this because that is a void that I want to fill. And I know that it is a void that needs to be filled. So the, the offer is there.
1: Yeah. yeah, And and thanks for that, Sam. There, there, there there are really some great stories happening. Um, and, and there's always something happening, but Florida, Really is in a great space at, 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 right at this moment in time. There's probably not. There probably hasn't been really a, a better time for a very long time to being involved in, in in what's going on in Florida. And so I think that's a great idea. There's there's you know I, I would even extend it to a, to another group to the Regional Planning Council who we do a lot of work with. Um, and part of what I would talk about with the biosolids. The discussion is we held a forum on biosolids about five years ago uh, with the regional planning council we had people from all over the state of florida we had people from outside of the state come and spend six hours and talk about biosolids here at port salerno at irsc and really put biosolids on the map for a discussion that has led to some very exciting uh, innovative technology discussions so i'm more than happy to and Can't wait to talk about the future.
0: We're going to do it. Doug Smith, County Commissioner, District 1, Martin County, someone I've known for a long time. I just want to again say thank you. You're welcome, and
1: and thanks for all the time you've given us.
0: That's going to wrap up another informative episode of the Florida Business Forum. And we're the only business forum podcast of its kind in Florida. So I I sort of take that as a badge of doing something different. And we're going to continue to do it. In the meantime, until our next episode, have a great day, everybody. The Florida Business Forum is dedicated to showcasing Florida businesses and CEOs of all sorts to promote their business or not-for-profit in the only business forum of its type in Florida. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, the Florida Business Forum is now accepting guest applications. Have a great day, everyone, and stay tuned for more business.